0: My name is Gabriel Satin, I am a contributor to Resident Advisor, and for this edition of the exchange I will be chatting over the phone with Grimes. Grimes might not need a lot of introduction at this stage, She's a standout, not just for owning an original sound and being an outspoken champion of outsider art, but a rare case of a committed techno geek who doubles up as a household name. There's a good deal of surface noise that clouds what Grimes does and who she is, so this conversation is a way to cut through that a little bit and hear directly from the artist. Over the next hour, Grimes will talk about her evolving relationship to electronic music, give some clarified thoughts about the future of live performance, hint towards a Lost Night Court album, and explain a love of burial that you might have found yourself reading about in the news lately. Grimes is coming up next. It looks like you've been finding different ways to get your voice heard recently. You've done podcasts on science. You've got a Radio 1 residency. Um, We're going to have this chat now specifically about dance music and web cultures. Do you feel like you want to resituate yourself or re-establish a connection to certain things that have got lost along the way?
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of constantly, you know, I, I don't know if it's a a gendered thing or just that like the press is primed to go for controversy, but it, it's, um, you know, I feel like I'm like constantly kind of fighting this battle against like a weird narrative, um, you know, or like a few weird narratives that I, I mean, it's probably, I mean, it's more exciting to focus on like, you know, the dramas of my personal life and whatnot, uh, I suppose. But, but, um, it's like annoying because it's like, uh, I, I, Uh, that's not really, I I don't really seek that stuff out. That just, that just sort of happens to me, Um, you know? So it's just kind of like, I'm trying to be an artist out here, but it it is definitely, but yeah, that's kind of why I'm trying to pursue things that are more um, geared towards an uh, an audience that is more into deep listening and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is like, I do kind of do both. So it is in this weird uncanny valley that I think is very confusing to people. You know, like I just, I, I always sort of like gets, you know, I know I bring this up a lot, but like I'm constantly referred to as a, as a singer, like, Oh, the singer Grimes. Um, and I, it, you know, that really just rubs me the wrong way. Cause I feel like singing is sort of my least developed skill of like <laughs> everything that I do. It's just sort of like, uh, I just don't really identify as like a singer, but it's still like, no matter what you do, that's kind of like what the, the headlines say. So it's, it's just sort of like a, um, but yeah, no, it is, it is weird. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you know Caroline Polachek, who used mm-hmm. to be, but like she said something once where it's like, if you're a singer, it's like people like really, really struggle to see you as like a producer and that kind of thing. And I, I think that's definitely true or like, uh, at least with female artists. Um, Yeah.
0: Which is funny in her case as well, because she has all these amazing records of ambient and field recordings under C E P and she does all this wonderful stuff on the side and yet it's the singer from Chairlift or it's the yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Let's let's go into granular detail about the electronic music that you like today that you liked in the past how it makes its way to you what catches your ear and also how you um interact with that after it's left an imprint on you whether there's a decision to fold it into your oeuvre to try your hand at making different kinds of electronic music or if you just kind of add it all up and ball it into something down the line
1: cool um i don't know i mean for me i just don't I started making electronic music almost out of convenience because I don't play instruments. Um, and as I said, I'm, like, not a good singer. And I really believe in, like, studio magic. Like, I really... Like, I'm, like, why would I practice the violin for, like, seven years when I could just, you know, play a little bit... Of, play some notes and comp them together and, like, auto-tune them and, like, <laughs> make them sound pretty and, you know, like, cheat, essentially. Although I don't see it as cheating because, like, it's it's a different kind of... Um, knowledge that is required to you know take someone who's a terrible violin player and make them sound good um but uh yeah for me electronic music is just really the the world of infinite possibilities like sound design is a huge part of how i compose like you know i think people sort of undervalue the tools that anyone has at their disposal at any given time when they're like making stuff it's like um you know, Mozart is very defined by the tools that like Mozart had yeah, at the time or whatever. You know, and and so it's just like, yeah. And and the the other thing is electronic music. There's like all these people, it, like all these weird engineers in rooms making like weird plugins and stuff. Like it's so cool. Like, you know, to just like the the way the kind of culture around it um, is developing and like, um, there's kind of like always new weird stuff that you can get, and it and it's fun. Like when I don't know. You find out some weird new plugin, and and you're like, ooh, like you know, and it just sort of like creates chaos, but you know, and you can like use it to make a bit of chaos, and then kind of like, I don't know, like sculpt that into something that sounds more like recognizable music. I, I there's just like there's just a lot of possibility. Um,
0: you know, there's there's something that seems to be a, a dominant theme within the history of electronic music and especially within rave culture is that the human voice is often the least essential element. Mm -hmm. It gets depersonalized and treated like flubber stretched and broken down. and It's rarely allowed to leave. But you as someone that um, pushes your voice into the front of the music that you make, as well as creating these kind of ethereal bedrocks of sound, you have to use your voice. So how do you kind of make that dialogue work for you?
1: Well, I feel like, well, first of all, I kind of want to, like, challenge your first point. Like, I, even though, the, like, the, there's sort of this, um, like, there is this weird sort of vocal anonymity, anonymity, I can never say that word, in electronic music um, that I've, I've often thought about. I've always been like, why doesn't it re- matter who the vocalists are? Like, why don't I know who's singing this song? Like, y- you know, like, um, but at the same time, I still feel like a lot of electronic music, like, the vocals are really important, um it's just it, it it's this weird egoless kind of uh it, it just doesn't function like pop music which which is like interesting and I don't necessarily know why that's the case but like if you look at something like Burial for example who's like one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite artists like the vocals in Burial's music are are like super super important and just because they're like sampled or warped or displaced I don't think makes them less uh crucial to what that music is it's just it's just a different format um you know and it's almost like like I was thinking about this the other day with like meme culture like how like no one knows who's who like every time I get a meme I'm like I don't know who fucking made this meme like it's just like it's like this weird art form that like does not have authorship at the core of it um like it's just which is unusual like in today's in the current society that we live in, like it's like people just are obsessed with auth- authorship. Like we're a very like ego, um, like individualist driven society, and so I think it's like really cool whenever that like doesn't exist. It's sort of like an interesting. It's it's almost more similar to like how art has always been. Like it's like you know like when we see like like I don't know ancient art and stuff. Like we don't know who made any of this art. You know it's just human art, and it, there's something kind of like interesting about. Uh, removed authorship, you know, and a lot of times when you hear like a pop song, like the person singing didn't write the song anyway, like the person who's credited with the song, like it's, I don't, I don't know, it's like authorship is sort of like an interesting um, thing, and I I think like in the last like, however, you know, since contemporary pop culture has been a thing, like we've we've come to be like, oh yes, this song by this person, but that's like not really how art has been historically, and it's I don't think it needs to be that way, and I think there's a lot of vocals and electronic music that like are like sort of anonymous but I, I you know it's like even in dance music I typically prefer vocals to no vocals um, you know or, or and you, like it's rare not rare but it's like there's usually like even like some vocals even if it's just like you know extremely minimal like yeah I, I don't know it's like I, I actually I love dance music and I probably like relate to dance music producers the most, but it is, I guess I don't actually make music that sounds like that very much, and vocals are very central and ego is very central to my music, obviously. So it like
0: burial was a really interesting point that you brought up because obviously, you know he's in a, a whole other plane of genius, but what yeah. seemed, seemed to be the thing that he latched on to was the importance of the the siren song quote-unquote vocals that are used in rave music Um, but as you say it doesn't necessarily you don't need to know who the singer is but when a swooping vocal comes in at the peak of a rave and puts everyone's um hairs on their arms up that's the most essential part of that's the the cresting point of the dj set and you don't need to know who that singer is or what they look like even if they're real or if that's modulated or sampled but that is the DJ or the producer dropping like a weapon of peace that vaporizes everyone's minds and it's funny that you said authorship is more um transient in dance music it's not something I'd really considered but it's both central and not and it's essential but also de-essentialized in the person who's actually there it's quite interesting
1: yeah no and it's it's also yeah no that's true it's like in when you're like out and, like, you haven't heard vocals in half an hour and then suddenly someone drops something that is, like, really vocally oriented. Like, it is incredible. Like, and it's, it's sort of interesting how the absence of that is used to, like, build up the nar- the narrative of a set or something or, like, create this, like, awesome moment at, like, at some point when when you finally do get something. And And, yeah. I don't know. Like, most of my favorite dance songs are, like, do have kind of like a pop vocal like I like I guess it's probably kind of an old song now but like the the song Stay With Me by Chris Lake I like Mm -hmm. it's just like a perfect like to me that's one of the best songs ever created and because it's in this like weird zone where it's like it's just like a truly incredible pop song or like an Enya kind of thing and it has just like the craziest drop like it, it just feels like I don't know that that song just feels like right in the middle of of so many things to me and it's like a lot of it is because of the vocal um yeah
0: i saw that i saw that you uh you dj'd in february at a club called ronda i think just before (laughs) going out was shut down and i think you played that chris lake song and you also played the tiesto remix of delirium uh which is another really good example of (laughs) big but uh, am i right or am i wrong on that yeah, no
1: you're right you're right no i'm just embarrassed by or not embarrassed oh god, gotcha. it i mean my di- whatever anyway
0: yeah <laughs> just, but like, you know these are and, and the soul edit of murray davidson these are all really oh, good yeah, examples of you know these are like full fat rave tunes but have a vocal at the the heart of them and i guess that gives it its humanity as well as its uh its pulse yes I actually found out from Errol Alkin that I think he said you closed with a gummy bears theme tune at that DJ set before he came on. Is that no, right?
1: No, I, I closed with the Hamster Dance. Oh. oh. <laughs> which is like a really underrated song. The Hamster Dance is really fucking good. Like, it's, it's, it's an incredible song, actually. Um, but yes.
0: No, I quite like looking at uh, shards and fragments of what people picked up that was in that. You just said you've had stuff like Io, obviously, who's one of your collaborators, and Hannah, but also Mugrab and Shada and Asquith and these pretty credible, big contemporary rave tunes. And then uh, kind of meme culture, dance music overlaps like the Hamster dance. I guess mm-hmm. you don't really have... Uh, I guess your perceptions of like what is quote unquote credible or not are completely skewed compared to what most people would like to dictate is cool or not. And that gives you like a different edge.
1: Yes. Well, I do feel like my my DJ set kind of like, I sort of have nothing left to lose. Like after that, uh, um, what happened? Oh yeah. The boiler room incident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like after the boiler room incident, I mean, I, I do love being in a situation where there's really nothing left to lose. I, I don't necessarily have a lot of dignity as a DJ. I do actually love doing just like a really hard techno set, but um, Grimes fans do not react well to that. Uh, and every time I try, it's like people just seem stressed out. So I sort of give up on that. But, um, <laughs> I mean, the thing is that there are just always songs that just people like will always love, even in the snobbiest, Situation and like even when they like s- say they're gonna be mad about it or think they're gonna be mad about it, like they still enjoy the hamster dance. So it's sort of like a, I don't know. Um, I actually do lo- love snobbery and dance music, but I also I, I like trolling it because it, it like I, I it's some of the maddest people ha- have ever been at me is like if like playing pop music in the wrong um, club. <laughs>
0: Like, up, down. I actually are. Uh, I, I worked at Boiler Room for five years just after you had uh, done your stint in Ibiza, and constantly, every single month, people were constantly asking us to, um, to upload the set and to like what's going on with it and can we see part of it. And it was like this, it built into this myth as if it was like the godhead of trolling. In dance culture and it really people really were like desperate to see just how bad it was or just how like how hard <laughs> just just how hard you were sticking your finger in the eye of dance culture and it was I like it just, it just having fun. It's, yeah, I know. <laughs> the thing
1: that's funny is like I just didn't think it was that serious. Like I was so at the time I barely knew what boiler room was. I hadn't Richie was just like, Hey, do you wanna to DJ tomorrow? I was like, sure, I'll like figure out like i'll like put some songs in a playlist right now that i like like and i had no idea while i was doing the set that it was a troll or that like it would be upsetting to people i was literally just like it's a beach party like it's a ha- nice day like yay <laughs> like i had no kind con- 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 i was extremely shocked by the response <laughs> 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 ah, but maybe we should release it one day i don't
0: know Those those delta dj um that played two years ago Loads of Christmas songs at the height of July at a festival. And everyone was like, oh, so shocking, so transgressive, you're so clever, who possibly could pull this off? And in the back of my mind, I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure that happened already. Yeah. And it didn't go down so well for her. I remember,
1: I think it was DJ Snake who's, who did All I Want for Christmas Is You by Mariah Carey. And I was like, mm. I was like, I did that first. But also that song is fucking incredible. And everybody loves it, no matter what time of year. Um.
0: I feel like there was a similar reaction to when you um, started uh, talking about the the beloved genre of Nightcore and you put out a Nightcore edit of We Appreciate Power and you boosted some Nightcore edits of Art Angels. Mm -hmm. And I felt like people's um, reception to that was maybe similar, that some people felt like it was tongue-in-cheek and that you were doing it to be... Transgressive or confrontational somehow, um, and maybe just couldn't wrap themselves around your perspective and felt like it was uh, a parlor game if you're trying to stunt on people by being clever. But it just seemed like that's stuff that you enjoyed and wanted to get to more eardrums.
1: Well, yeah, no, I actually think Nightcore is. I love Nightcore, and I actually have like problems if if I spend too much time listening to Nightcore where I like can't return to regular music. It's like a weird pro- it's like actually like literally like some at moments a problem like especially when I'm making music and then I'm just like but if I pitched everything up and sped it up it'll sound better and then I and then I'm like oh, I can't just be releasing I have a whole nightcore album that I made
0: <laughs> oh my god
1: we we've like considered releasing but then I keep being like it, like would it be a huge problem if I release a nightcore album um but what was I going to say? Yeah. I, I don't I don't know why people don't like nightcore. Like I just love nightcore. Like I just honestly think it's extremely euphoric. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a great, uh, genre. Um,
0: you know, with, with, with the new album, I actually expected it to be more, um, in line with the fringe taste that you have because the, some of the collaborations that you've done over the years, like bringing me the horizon and putting out night credits and speaking up these like pretty out there genres. I was quite surprised that you didn't lean into that super hard. And that the album came out quite dark and quite intense and quite restrained, but not like pounding quick or really, really Mm. like chipped and distorted. Um, And that's interesting that you say that you had to kind of stop yourself from going too hard into that because normal music quote-unquote would feel uh flat somehow if you spent too long dancing around in the euphoric (laughs) tropes um do you find that happens a lot do you spend a lot of time digging into one sound and then kind of putting it on the shelf or leaving it on the cutting room floor
1: yeah i definitely I, i i i get in like a weird mood and then do like go heavy into a certain energy and then I like react really like right now I'm in this zone where I'm like f- I never want to touch a fucking guitar ever again <laughs> like, like e- e- which is crazy like I feel like a few months ago I was just or, or sort of like a few years ago I was just like I was like I, I'm done with synths I'll never touch another synthesizer like fuck you know I was just like ah oh, oh, like I couldn't stand it like the idea of making anything like you know more proper electronic music at all was just like I was just like never again you know, and, and but then I just like went too far with guitars and stuff. And now I'm just like, eh, just like, I cannot listen to any guitar music. Um, I'm like super, I guess that's just, I, 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 I yeah, I don't know. I, I just get too, I, I go too far down rabbit holes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, I just wanted to make, I just didn't want, want to make, like, I don't, I feel like it's very easy to be like, Grimes should be more PC music. And I, th- I, I was like, oh, like I could follow this route, but I feel like I should react against PC music right now. Cause that's like the least expected thing probably. So I think that was kind of like, not, that's not like why I did that, but you know, I, I was just sort of like, what can I do that will be Subversive to the expectation, I guess. Not that I mean. Here I am saying like I don't always do things to be subversive to the expectation, but I guess I do. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying.
0: I actually saw a quote that came out kind of flippant from Charlie XCX saying that you had worked like on a techno slammer with her, mm-hmm. and then one of one of you two was like, "Wait, hold on, shouldn't we make a pop song instead?" And that you kind of have to. Juggle these expectations of what you should quote unquote or shouldn't do, and uh, it's like expectation management within the micro of your career and the macro of the world outside. <laughs> it's
1: more that me. Well, yes, no, actually, no, that does totally make sense. But it's more that me and Charlie could, we could create a really obtuse, like extremely experimental song that's kind of hard to listen to, but it would be fun to just, I mean, we have a concept. We just have a concept for a pop song that's like an incredible concept.
0: I, I guess I don't want to spend too long on the uh, flexibility of taste, but I do find it really interesting that you can kind of swerve between lanes without really minding about it so much. Like the the most recent Radio 1 show that you did a few days ago, uh, you had the KLF and you had Traversable Wormhole, which is an Adam X project. And then you also had Semisonic and Kim.com, the mega upload founder. <laughs> and I think that kind of track list is pretty much impossible for any other DJ on Radio 1 to ever get away with in its history. But for you, you put it all in the bracket of time-related music and it worked. And that's quite endearing to be able to have that freedom.
1: But is it is it actually... like people? I I feel like people just make constraints in their mind you you know what I mean everyone's like oh but who else get away with it it's like well anyone can get away with it because anyone can do anything because free will we have free will well that's an arguable statement but you know what I mean it's like it's like taking risks is uh, creatively is almost always rewarded and sometimes in the short term it, it is not rewarded but it is almost always rewarded in the long term um and you know, I think people get stressed because of the potential short-term repercussions, but it's like most artists, that like, are truly great, like take risks all the time.
0: Yeah, there's a thinker called Matt Dryhurst, whose partner is Holly Herndon. Uh, he terms it metadata. So oh. our musical preferences and social habits form this cartoon brain cloud above our heads that trails us and tells others from a distance who we are is that what you were getting at
1: yeah 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 yeah. no exactly that, that, that's an interesting way of putting it um I like that that's cool yeah no I, I just we're like personal brand like everyone has their fu- you know that's much less a much less fun way to say it but it's like everyone has their, their personal brand and it's like can't do this and can't break the brand and like blah 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 that kind of stuff I don't know. I just think it's it's important to not get too wrapped up in your identity because that's kind of, I almost feel like that's sort of like what's wrong with the world right now is everyone gets so wrapped up in their identity that they're, you know, it's like more important to like, like this thing equals good, this thing equals bad. And therefore I, I will like, without thinking, like fight for certain things and, and dis- discard nuance. And I think that's like a dangerous, that's a dangerous place to be.
0: One thing that I've noticed on the Misanthropocene album cycle is an extension of giving parts of yourself away. So in the past, you've boosted bedroom remixes that people have sent you, and you know you released a sample pack a few years ago. But now you've done something similar for art, so that people can make their own renders and avatars and DIY videos. Do you go out of your way to put the tools in other people's hands?
1: Oh yeah, I. I mean, I'm just like I'm so into sampling. And I just think it's so – I hate, like, the lawsuit with the blurred lines and, all, all, like, all this stuff. Like, I hate how the, it's, like, been changing music. Like, you know, I just think sampling – although, actually, I guess there's a lot of incredible music being made that, like, because people are reticent to sample at the moment, I, I don't know, that uh, it is making some cool stuff. But, like, I just, like I, – I don't know, I like again, like going back to burial or something, like it's just like so much of my favorite music is sample oriented. And I just like, I've never ever, anytime anyone's ever illegally used my music, I've not like tried to get money from them or like followed up. Like I'm just like, whatever, like sample my music. Like I don't care. Like it's cool. Like I, I think it's weird to, for people to think they like own art. Like, um, you know, I think art is, I, I think patents, copyright, all this stuff is like not, great for like the overall conversation it is like shitty when someone like makes something and then just gets totally robbed though like and like dies poor like that's fucked up so it's like I, I don't know it's like a tricky conversation um but I just like personally I think people should just use my art however they want like I know my label takes stuff down sometimes but, like, <laughs> like I personally think people should I don't know. I'm honored if anyone ever uses anything I made. Um, you know, and like, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of just want to release like all the stems ever and like that kind of thing. Like, I really don't care. Um, I really believe like sampling and stuff. And like, so many like me getting stems from other people, you know ostensibly to like, I'll be like, oh, I'll remix the song. And I'm like, yes, got the stems. And then I like never remix the song because I lo- love their stems or whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, I, we find really good samples in like other people's stuff too. And like, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just think art should be more free. I don't know. Also, I do get like an excessive amount of incredible like fan art, I guess. I don't, I, I feel like the word fan is sort of a weird demeaning term like because it sort of like makes it like it's like fan art makes it sort of seem like less legitimate or something somehow so like I don't want to like use that word necessarily but for lack of a better word um and so I was just like you know like people just make so much good stuff like there's only the video team me and my video team is only there's only three of us it's me and my brother Mac and our friend Neil and it's like like delete forever was like a month of insane work and we're like like, okay like we shot all these green screen stuff like we're not gonna do this like we might as well just like put it out for people like it's like you know it'll like it'll be like a year and a half from now by the time we've done all these videos so you just touched on something that i
0: found quite interesting that it was like a month of work for that one project um or for one song or for one thing and yet some people come up with um a bounce down remix of one of your songs or a piece of fan art or a twist of your video and do it in half an hour and it stand up just as well. Um, I wonder if you have any kind of uh, ceiling that you put on the amount of work that you put into one thing. I I think you remember you had like 40 or 50 layers of drums on kill versus main, which seems excessive. Um,
1: Um, I went way too far out with that song. (laughs) Way too
0: far. (laughs) Do you, do you ever give yourself time out? Is there is there ever a point where you get to your limit and you go, I just can't keep pushing over that? Or just the kind of uh, you said in the very early days that you kind of were ADG in your process. I wonder if that means you never really have that um, edge, and you can constantly run off the edge of the universe and pull yourself back from it.
1: I actually I make a lot of stuff where I don't go crazy. It's just sometimes I go crazy. All right, all right. Like it just it just depends on what the project is. Like Kill Mame was like this unwieldy mess that I'm like, I knew it could be great. I was like, I know this can be great. If I just like, it just depends on the song, like some songs. And it's like, it's when you're doing something new. Like I feel like 4am on my new album was kind of similar. Like it's like when it's something that just like, there isn't a good template in the culture. Like there isn't a good song where I'm like, Oh, I can mix to that song or something that's when it can kind of start taking a really long time because i'm like there's no when when i don't have a, a good sonic reference point um then it just starts getting crazy because then you're just kind of like f- battling yourself i guess uh whereas like like a song that like where i'm like oh if this sounds kind of similar to this song like then i can kind of like mix it a bit you know it, i'm like okay okay like those kinds of drums tend to work like whatever you know It's it's a bit easier it's much easier or you know like sometimes you just throw something together in an hour like the song with io violence like literally i just sat down made the demo and in like an hour and then we just put that out you know it's like
0: if you feel like you're creating a, a world that has no precedent that's when you start driving yourself to the edge because you feel like it's on you to create that world is, is that kind of what you're saying
1: yeah, yeah yeah like when you're just doing yeah when you're making something with no precedent then you're um. Yeah, you're just you don't know. Well, and and you just you. It's unclear when to stop too, because mm-hmm. you're like, uh, you know, like with Kelvy Maim, like there were points where I was like, well, this is good, but it's not quite like I just wanted to still be like a banger, and that was kind of like where I was like, I still need to like, if I want this to be like a banger, I need to like, and also like, I mean, guitars. When you try to add guitars, like that's just a whole other ball game especially because guitars and female vocals are like you know electric guitar and female vocals are in a very similar range of like where they feel good like you know and they're really fighting each other like that's just a engineering nightmare i guess um specifically and then you want to add like kind of like dance drums and stuff under and then it just starts good like never again <sighs> Never again will I go back. Well, that's not true.
0: You have total control over your material in the studio and live and the aesthetic. Um, You are like a a single world builder and obviously everything stems from you. Uh, Does that require the need to have like absolute trust in your visions, let's say? Uh, Do you ever get a co-pilot or is it all 100%? gut feeling and an understanding of when to give and go i
1: i feel like i have like a weird hubris for some reason uh i i just don't question it really um i i don't know i just don't feel artistically self-conscious i guess like i i i i, I was thinking about this the other day i don't know why i just don't feel i don't know i feel like reasonably confident and like i just don't question i don't know
0: i don't know it's odd um that's interesting because I've seen you I've seen you say that um uh to pull up an example, the original of reality was uh oh it was poorly recorded and it was a mess and it was never meant to be heard by anyone. Or you've even got a caveat on the Radio One show apologizing for your Lisp. But that's that, that to me doesn't sound like hubris. That sounds like you're being very considerate and polite. Um doesn't sound hubristic at all to me.
1: Uh, like, I, I might feel co- underconfident about things, like, after the fact, but when I'm making stuff, I feel very confident, I guess. Like, if I'm just, like, yeah, when I'm, like, in the studio, I'm not, like, oh, no, do I need help with this? I'm just kind of, like, okay, like, I, I don't know. J- I just sort of, like, know what to do. Um, I mean, which it, it's definitely, like, contradictory to how I, like, behave because I definitely get, like, nervous at times, like, around other people or in, like, I don't know. I, but I do want to start working with more people, though. Like, I, like, part of the reason I've been working alone mostly is was like you know being on an independent label and stuff it's like why would you go spend a bunch of money making an album and then because there's a very finite amount of resources like when you can make an album on your own I mean I'm always it's always the interplay with the music videos I'm like I'm like let's just save the whole budget for the music videos and I'll just do all the (laughs) all the music on my own and then that way we can like have like more kind of like major label level music videos I guess Um, Because I really, I love making music videos and that's like a huge part of the whole game for me. Um, So that's been like a huge motivator for not having collaborators.
0: (laughs) I'd like to ask about physical experiences. You know, you've been a touring musician for 10 years plus in all kinds of settings, art spaces up to festivals. And you're more at peace with uh, the supersized crowds and supersized audacity of EDM. You can more or less walk into any setting of your choosing. So, what does the ideal look like to you? Well, honestly, DJing
1: anonymously is the way to go. Like, when you DJ, like when people know it's me, then like there's always a bunch of people who come and sort of stare and don't dance, and it's like mm. uncomfort- uncomfortable and sort of. Str- I, I, I honestly, I just like going to things anonymously or pl- like DJing anonymously like it's it's fun to not be grimes like because when you're <laughs> when you're like performing performing like if people know you're there it, like it is just more into, you know and like there can be like pictures and like uh, like um my favorite experiences in the live realm are just like straight up being just a fan or djing but DJ, like not djing as anything anyone knows or whatever like um or like just DJing for my, for my friends and parties at my, with my friends or whatever
0: like is, is that partly why the, the the concept of Burning Man is appealing because it kind of depersonalizes everyone yeah
1: and it's so big that you really you can like really be you know because it's like sometimes like you go out and people will like realize you're there and then that's like a thing but it's like br- like at Burning Man you can just disappear like. It is really incredible. Um, you know, it's like like if stuff gets weird somewhere, you just bike for an hour and then be somewhere else. I I really like that. I I, I really like the lack of any like corporate stuff. I, I, it's also like kind of the best sci-fi environment. The the just the scale of it is so in, like beautiful. Like wait like like you can just bike for hours and hours and hours and it never ends. Like there's just like really does sort of feel like a science fiction city or something like it's just like, <laughs> it's,
0: kind of like a, it's kind of like a real life mmorpg in yeah, that way. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah no it's it's like a weird video game Well, it's like i'm like oh this is like what the world could be like i don't know if the world could actually be like that um but you know you, you really start to notice i'm like man like you really notice like sound restrictions and lighting restrictions in cities when you're in a place that is functionally a city that doesn't have any of those things society could definitely be less repressed aesthetically. It's really annoying that you can't just like, anyway, I'm not going to go on about like sound restrictions in urban areas, but but yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've you've mentioned countless interviews about the world trending towards a more um, photoshopped, polished, hemmed in, homogenous version of itself. I guess Burning Man is a big, uh, is a big stab through the heart of that. Um, whether you kind of consider it cool or not, it does basically upend society's norms and rules and s- top them on, on its head, and then you kind of go from there and reshape it in your own way, which is quite yeah. an interesting. It's an experiment of how things could be, as you say.
1: I like where society is going to. The, like, I do think there's, but I, I don't think it's all bad. Like, I don't say I don't say that necessarily that stuff necessarily in a critical way. It's more of just an observational way. You know, I, I think it's always destructive, the kind of like, quote unquote, the kids these days argument is like never, the kids are probably onto the right thing. You know you know what I mean? Like, it's like, just because something feels potentially destructive or like, is it bad that everyone's living as their idealized self on like Instagram and stuff? Like, is it bad that they're using Facetune or is that like helping people overcome anxieties I I don't know like I'm not like I'm not saying one way or the other but I just like things that people might point out and be like that's definitely bad like I like I don't know if that's necessarily true like it's like what's the difference between that and like living as an avatar in a video game and like you know like living as an avatar in a video game like allows you to overcome like the things that in the physical world might be a hindrance like it's dumb but it's like things in the physical world are like like hinder people like socially and emotionally and like make people like isolated and stuff it's like if you like don't look right or something or if, I don't know like it's like people like treat you badly and it's like maybe I don't know maybe living in a, a hyper digitized space allows people to just like you see there's so much stuff in you know, like the masked singer or like the voice or like blind blind was that show on netflix like blind love or something where they're like they they date but they don't ever see each other and then they have to get married and it's like people are obviously really obsessed with like not having to look how they look you know like people obviously feel like incredible tension about like how we judge people based on how they look so like maybe like a super digitally distorted photoshopped or completely digital avatar future is actually a good thing that will like democratize allow people to just be who they are like without having to um you, you know they'll be able to surpass how they were born i guess like i don't know I, i'm going on a real tangent here
0: uh, <laughs> no I, I, you know it's been on everyone's minds um in the last uh gosh month month or 2 Where pretty much all confined to our homes at this point in time in the middle of a pandemic and we're all living through our screens and human contact has kind of been put on ice and put into a cryogenic deep freeze right now so if ever there was a time to truly explore that possibility and see what happens it's now because we can't really go outside and see other people at the moment um this is the time when we are kind of getting sucked into or subliminally creating avatars for ourselves for the next three, six, nine months. It's hard to say. This is like nine that inaction.
1: Months. Nine months. God, let it not go on. Yeah,
0: up. you know, I'm I'm talking from a UK perspective. We're not doing so well. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, who knows? We might have to not see each other to do Thanksgiving or Christmas. And if so, then we are living as avatars on the internet and we are kind of constructing our uh, augmented reality of ourselves for 2020. That's going to be the year where we all moved out of the physical realm, potentially.
1: Yeah, true. It could be. It really could be.
0: You know, the album this year is a play on misanthropy as a concept. Um, would you find the world more palatable if there was uh, more of a shift towards living partially through our screens and partially in real life? Um, I don't. It's it's kind of always hard to understand where you personally. Outside of what purely interests you, or kind of what tickles the curiosity of how things could be, what your personal stance on this is, and what where you would feel most comfortable.
1: Well, I think people, honestly, people like people are always trying to like dis- be like, oh, this is what she means, and it's my vibe is more like I'm like pretty open minded. Like I- I'll change my opinion on something fifty times. Like I'll be like, yeah, we all need to like live in the ready player one future and then I'll decide like, no, like actually the internet is, is the scourge of art of modernity. And like, we should all live in the real world only. And then I'll like end up somewhere in between. I don't know if I have an opinion per se, or like my opinion is definitely extremely fluid. I, I feel like my art is very amoral, but people think that it's very moralizing, which is, fine you know it's like people could interpret my art however they want to um but yeah I'm definitely not necessarily trying to um propose a worldview necessarily you know what I mean like it's like it's more that I'm observing I guess you know like especially something like climate change it's as a mainstream concept it's kind of new like obviously it's been around for like people are have been aware of it for a while but as something that like people are starting to actively care about in their everyday life. Like that's like a newer thing. And, or like any of the things I like topics I broach in the, in the album. Like, I think it's sort of like interesting to approach something that has so much moralizing around it from an amoral perspective. You know, I like, I think that's sort of like always a worthwhile task to like ag- abstract something from the emotion of its current state. Like I'll have, I, it's not that I'm without opinions, but it's, it's, but my opinions are, are, too fluid for me to say like this is what i feel like forever and ever amen kind
0: of thing did that kind of get exposed harshly with the um the debate last year about your views at the time on the obsolescence of live music or the timeline of where we shift out of the touring realm that is that something that's changed or is that something that was taken that fragment of conversation and blown up
1: that that was definitely um a kind of like a a semi joke that got taken a bit too far mm. uh, or like people I, I was definitely just kind of like not like, I don't know. I was just sort of like making an offhand comment that was more just kind of like, I don't know. I, I I guess I was just being cheeky, I guess. <laughs> and and it like, it, I, and, um, you know, I like, I had never, I, although live music might, I, and I don't know, maybe now it seems, um, maybe foreshadowing of the current situation, but I don't know. I mean, we might get to I mean, I don't think this will be the worst pandemic we deal with uh in the next even like 10 or 20 years. I mean, this isn't even terrorism, this is just natural. Like it's like we are, are very close to people being able to download and synthesize viruses. Shit could definitely be way crazier. Like we could definitely get into a situation where we are quarantined for like much longer and much more strictly i don't know it's it's interesting i don't know if live stuff will ever be obsolete i think people love people um you know uh there is obviously a magic like i was actually just watching the marshmallow Fortnite concert last night because i'd never seen it and i was like man i wonder what the marshmallow Fortnite concert is like and i was like okay this is like cool and ridiculous like will concerts change over to this i doubt it um but also like the coronavirus thing is really exposing the fragility of civilization. it's like maybe like gatherings in the way that we've been doing them, like c- could become obsolete. It's, that's not like totally out of the question. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah.
0: I, and I, know. Think, I, I think we will become maybe more acclimatized to uh, deriving a thrill from what we find kind of uncommon at the moment, like to to take an example, uh, when I saw you on the Art Angels tour at Glastonbury, I felt like part of the audience enjoyment was tied to the, um, the empathy of watching you do it all yourself, you know, watching a person Mm. be a person, play the synths, sing, lead the dances. You were kind of a a whirlwind of activity. And if you weren't there, that spark would be lost. But then you go and see uh, Tatsune Miku, uh, thing and that spark comes from a different place one of intrigue that the performer is not physical but they're being beamed in from another realm and it's it's kind of hard to say which of those two is the best because they're both different experiences that are kind of awe-inspiring in their own way and as you say maybe things will shift in five to ten years where we'll be a bit more in between those two things rather than one being the norm and one being an outlier.
1: Yeah well I mean I think technology will make Things that aren't technically live, a lot more palatable too. Like Hatsune Miku is like really well done, um, and like I, you know, I think th- all that stuff like in the next ten or fifteen years, it, it'll become more common and it'll it'll get better. You know, it's like the thing with technology is it always gets better, and like you know, like it like things that seem crazy can you know ten or ten years later become like incredible and normal you know like we all have computers on our phones now which Mm. you know like 15 years ago would have seemed seemed like weird science fiction i mean i just don't think art is rankable like when people are doing like oh year-end list or this or that or like the grammys or whatever i'm like it's not like any of this is quantifiable like it's not and it's not like something being popular and something being makes makes it better or it's not like something being I don't know, like it's, it's just these are just like the whims of like small groups of people like, you know, like ranking art, I think, is basically impossible. Um, like it's it's not it's just like weird, a weird subjective thing. And there's it's not in any way even close to objective to, to do that, because it's like the way we respond to art. It's like an emotional response. It's, it's like a neurobiological or like hormonal response or whatever it is it, it, that's probably based in like thousands of years of evolution. So, you know, it's like, it's like, it's ultimately like, it's like weird, like mating calls and stuff. Like it's, it's not actually science or math or something where it's like, you can be like, Oh yes, this person got 98% on the test. That's like, not, you know, a, a lot of the art that people love is like wildly imperfect.
0: It's been, 10 years now in 2020 since you first began accruing a catalogue and becoming more aware to people. I wonder where you place yourself in a wider lineage of electronic music, um, where you situate yourself and who maybe comes off you and who are the descendants of Grimes and how you see yourself in the kind of the wider sphere of things.
1: I don't know. I feel like I... I it would be too like audacious to assume presume anyone is a descendant of Grimes. I feel like I'm a descendant of like like Burial and Aphex Twin like, and stuff like that. Like that like and m- maybe like Animal Collective. There's something about the ri- the ric- the homemade feeling of like Animal Collective and Burial mm. and, and stuff that made me feel like they don't feel musically trained and I might be wrong about that. I, I haven't googled this um or anything like they just felt like and they it's it's very emotional electronic music and so like that's where I feel like I come from um but I I I would not presume to say who like comes after me because I don't know if people would feel like I don't I, I don't I don't know if I would be correct
0: you don't want to attach your own metadata to someone against their will
1: yeah and and I also like I feel like there's all these things that like I realize were influences on me over time that like I didn't realize at the time. You know it's it's like like you're we're constantly absorbing information even if we like don't realize it and so it's like like even like I think like like I feel like arcade fire just by virtue of being in Montreal and stuff are, are like probably like a huge influence on me like even though I don't sound like that at all or, or you know I, I feel like there's all these things that are like like probably people that might see themselves as like important in my career or like important artists in my career that like, yeah, like I don't even know like yeah
0: I think a lot of people might have expected you to say oh I'm in the same family tree as 100 gex or whatever but you're aligning with three of the biggest names in modern independent music and, and like you say OK Fire. 700 members on a horn section are a world away from what you do as Grimes. But in a way, it cycles back to what you are saying at the very start about seeing music more through the lens of energy and expression and base humanity rather than genre, which makes it a pretty good place to wrap up, I reckon. Thanks so much for your time doing this in strange and unusual circumstances and best of luck with the family you know thank you
1: for such thoughtful questions and um and everything i really appreciate it